This week's episode of The Amazing Nerd Show is sponsored by Talking Pops. Christian, you know I've just become absolutely obsessed with Funko Pops. Yeah, you were talking about them last week on the show. Well, I just discovered the perfect podcast for any Funko Pop collector. Well, come on, man. What's it called? I'm glad you asked, Christian. It's called Talking Pops. It's the unofficial Funko Pop podcast. It includes things like exclusives, giveaways, unboxings, and interviews. Also, they'll keep you up to date on all the Funko news you might have missed over the week. Well, if our listeners love Funko Pop figures, and we know that you do, go ahead and subscribe to Talking Pops on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to tell them the nerd sent you. Welcome, nerd. Are you ready to launch 135th Expedition into Nerdum? Preparing for launch. Queuing bitchin' rockabilly track. Priming engines. Now setting dials on time machine. Unecrypting files for comics, TV, movies, wrestling. Launching ANS in 3, 2, 1. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. So, Christian, I am a proud father once again. I mean, not that I'm not always a proud father, but I'm I'm a little more proud this week. Uh, My daughter has become completely obsessed with uh, the X-Men animated series and the Batman animated series. Um, You know, both staples of early 90s Saturday mornings. But, like, <laughs> the one pitfall is we're driving my wife completely crazy because we're both walking around humming the theme songs <laughs> nonstop. And it got me thinking, like, they don't make, like, animated theme songs like they used to. Like, they mm. used to, like, really invest a lot of time. And, like, those songs, like, stand on their own. Like, I have a cycle, like, a playlist of, like, you know... 80s 90s like you know theme songs playing in my head constantly that have never gone away like transformers and ducktales and you know just classics and nowadays i don't feel like you know kids are getting that anymore um but you know but i could just be a crouchy old man no i mean i put on cable recently and i was watching like spongebob and shit like that and i don't know they just like cut the intros to shows so quick nowadays that's what i feel like it happens a lot Mm -hmm. of times they don't even like let the intro breathe like it's like just trying to get the credits out there and then it's just a quick cut like they don't feel like the kids have the like tension span to mm. sit there through a full intro because you would get like intros and then you would get like outros like there'd be exactly. like two separate songs half the time i mean do you have any like classic like go-to like animated songs that you like you know that are st- like stuck with you throughout like you know the decade i mean the one that stands out the most is probably teen titans um i i still sing that song to this day um and even but the teen titans go one is terrible they they remixed it and it, they just took the the letter counting part and it's like a very super, like we were talking, just like super condensed version of that song. Well, Teen Titans I, is kind of, kind of like a like um like a psychobilly uh, like feel to it, right? Like, yeah, it's definitely it's it's, it's got a bop and rockabilly feel. <laughs> it reminds me of Spectacular Spider-Man, actually. Um, no, that's that's a very good point. Yeah, and I actually I highly recommend Spectacular Spider-Man. Uh, I feel like it's such an underrated series. It only lasted two seasons, but it is fantastic. I wish they would bring that back because I feel like it was like 
probably like the best like series to really just like capture the spirit of like the actual like comic book. So um, they, they did a great job with like all the storylines and everything. It was fantastic. You know, truly underrated. So, but yeah, man, it, 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 animators need to start like investing in these theme songs. You know, exactly. I, I'm worried for the youth of America. God damn it. <laughs> You know, with with anime nowadays, it's still a huge, big, like a massive part of like anime is the opening and ending. Like they put fucking three to five minutes of a song at the beginning of the show each episode, mm-hmm. and you know, um, people collect those and listen to those. Like at, at a certain point, like there's anime music out there that's like top of the charts in Japan some days. Uh-huh. You know, it's it's crazy how much uh, people are into that. But it's just it's not the same in American culture. It's so weird, but I feel like it's mm-hmm. just a bunch of TV executives making that decision, Probably. and not really the fans. Because I mean, who would like? I don't know. Who doesn't want a great theme song? You know, exactly. I mean, I understand wanting just to get into like the show, and I'm sure it's like ratings driven and everything. Where you know, oh, we might lose these kids; they might change the channel because there's so many different options out there nowadays. But I feel like you know, the theme song sells you on the show. It's the hook, you know, that gets you to like keep watching. So, and it gets you in the mood for the show. So, I, exactly. I disagree 100%. I mean, I, I just remember being a kid excited just for the openings for most shows. So it's Oh, just... my God. Like, like I said, like, I literally have a playlist of songs, uh-huh. you know, from my childhood <laughs> constantly playing in my head. Like, the Transformers mm. theme song, G.I. Joe, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You can't beat those. Like... No. <laughs> My God, what is wrong with people? (laughs) (laughs) Or what's wrong with me, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, it's time to get into the news. But before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some amazing nerd show swag. Let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors in nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters, we're mere podcasters with opinions. Alright, first up, Damon Captain Marvel 2 recruits Candyman director Naya DaCosta. That's right. I guess over the weekend, uh, she reportedly had a meeting with Kevin Foggy, um, and she is now slated, unofficially, to be taking over uh, duties from Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, who directed the first film. Uh, this will be penned by WandaVision staff writer Megan McDonnell. I mean, for me, this is exciting news. I mean, she's critically acclaimed as a director. I can't wait mm-hmm. to see what she does with like Candyman. Everything looks fantastic from the trailer, from what we've seen so far. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think this is great news. You know, I, I have the exact same feelings. I, I haven't seen um, her film Little Woods that she gets acclaimed for, but uh, I do. I am interested, based off the trailers for Candyman, to see what she would even do with a superhero film as big as an MCU title like Captain Marvel. Yeah, it should be interesting. I mean, we might be singing a different tune if you know Candyman comes exactly. out and it, <laughs> and it completely sucks. <laughs> we might be like, oh no. Uh, but you know, so far so good, right? Uh, mm. Captain Marvel two is slated to hit theaters maybe uh, July eighth, twenty twenty two. We shall that's, see. It's long enough away, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. I can have hope for that. I don't believe in anything right now, Christian. <laughs> Not when it comes to a theatrical release. Speaking of which, Christian, we have some other news on that front, correct? 
Yeah, it looks like Mulan's going to be released on Disney Plus, and now the world of speculation has begun on all other Disney projects. Well, I mean, rightfully so. <laughs> so it looks like it's going to be a premiere access release um through the Disney Plus streaming service. It will also get like a theatrical release for like what's actually like open, which isn't much right now. Um, you know, it's got a lot of like theater owners really, really pissed off. I don't know if you've seen that like viral video of like an owner like destroying oh, yes. one of the uh <laughs> giant like display stands. So I don't know, man. <laughs> um, I get it, though. I mean, it's their business. So um, but I also understand the studios. They have to make money somehow. Uh, subscribers of Disney Plus will be able to purchase the film for twenty nine ninety nine. Um, some people feel like that's a little steep. I would argue if you've got like a family of like four or five, I mean, that's, you know, less than what you would be paying to go see it in the theater. So I'm exactly. okay with the price, and you also get to keep the movie afterwards. It's not like a VOD where it's, mm. you know, you have it for 48 hours, then you have access to it, you know, for how God, long. God knows how many people have your Disney Plus account as well. Yes. <laughs> so they got to they gotta make some money uh-huh. off of it. You know, it can't just be a complete wash for them. So And they've been losing money hand over fist right now. So I get it. Um, But uh, people, like you said, are speculating what that means for other Disney movies like Black Widow, which is slated to come out in the fall, maybe. (laughs) So Disney CEO Bob Chepik, uh, he did go on record saying that this is a one off, uh, but it is an opportunity to learn from this kind of method. Which, if you ask me, you kind of left it open. So basically, mm. like, I'm translated as, if this makes lots of money, then hell yeah, we'll do it. <laughs> but you know, we'll see. You know, especially if things keep on spiking across the country, <laughs> um, they might be more open to that. And I feel like the domino effect is starting because Annabellum now is scheduled for VOD, um, which it wasn't previously, but it's now going to be released on all platforms September 18th. So I feel, and we talked about this last week, why I feel like movies like Annabellum, who are more like on like studios margins, they're going to get more of an like opportunity to show up on like VOD just because they're not going to allow these like, you know, medium sized movies to clog up their calendar. So, um, you know, and get in the way of like bigger releases. So I can see, you know, movies the size of Annabellum possibly moving to VOD. Um, but yeah, you know, and I think it's, it's premium also. So I think it's going to be like more around like the $20 range, um, which is totally understandable. Once again, um, Bill and Ted's face the music. Um, we have the announcement last week that it was going to be released, uh, September 1st, I believe now it actually moved up. It's going to be released Friday, August 28th. So, and that's, you know, going straight to VOD also. And it will be in the theaters too. So if you choose to, you know, if you have a theater that's actually open around you, you can, you know, you know, you have the option of at least seeing it in the theater if you want to. Hey, maybe so, even the drive-in. Yeah, that, that is also true. So it's definitely interesting to see where the industry like goes from here. Yes. I feel like theaters versus Disney is kind of a losing battle though for theaters. <laughs> At yeah. the end of the day. <laughs> well, I mean, they do have some pool, though, just because, you know, the AMC, you know, pulled the whole if you don't if you go straight to VOD, we're going to choose not to play any of your movies. 
Um, so I don't know. It might be a game of like chicken. I know they eventually, I forgot what studio that was, but I know they eventually brokered a deal. Mm -hmm. Um, so we'll see what happens. You know, I mean, I could definitely, I feel like what's going to end up happening though is ticket prices are going to end up skyrocketing. Um, when the theaters are finally like, you know, fully functional and completely open again, if, you know, some of these movies are still going on VOD you're going to see, you know, some really high ticket prices um, because they, they have to make up, you know, for, for that loss. So, I mean, it is what it is. It, it'll I mean, be, it'll the, be interesting. The easy answer for all that, though, is just um, theater subscriptions, you know, where you do like monthly subscriptions to go see movies at certain theaters. I feel like that would be the new base model at that point. Yeah, that definitely was starting to become a thing. So, I mean, maybe we'll see more of that in the future. Well, speaking of big films, uh, John Wick 5 confirmed will be shot back to back with John Wick 4. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, right? Hmm. I'm sure they're going to use a lot of the same like locations. So why not? I, I always think of like Back to the Future 2 and 3. Like at the time, that was the big story that they were shooting it back to back. Unfortunately, both those movies weren't that great. You know, I like 3. I'm not a huge <laughs> fan of 2, though. 2 was awful. But, I enjoy um, them all. Do, even 2? Even two. Two's, two's fun, like, to go back, but, like, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely disappointing at the time. So, three's fun. Three's a fun adventure. So, um, it, you know, it took me years to realize that that wasn't Crispin Glover playing uh, George McFly. Wait, wait, two. About? Yeah, no, it's not. It's, it's actually an actor with, like, prosthetics on. And shit, they recast the role. Glover well, that did guy it. deserves a fucking medal or something, <laughs> an Oscar. I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he even like tried to sue them. So I don't know what kind of like on what legal grounds, <laughs> but I don't know because I mean it's not like he's the first actor to be replaced. Uh huh. And he was demanding something like a million dollars or something crazy to come back, which was a lot at the time. You know, you know, for a role like that, so. They should have um, just done some shit where it's like, we went into the past and accidentally fucked up now who your dad is. You know, it would have just been a different actor completely. Okay. The time travel <laughs> in those movies are fucking headache as is. I, <laughs> I don't think I could handle that. <laughs> so John Wick is coming out back to back, huh? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how we fell down this rabbit hole, but <laughs> let's move on. Yes. Um, Ren and Stimpy reboot in the works at Comedy Central. Yes, it's been 25 years since Ren and Stimpy has run on Nickelodeon. I can't believe that show was on Nickelodeon. Um, <laughs> but now Comedy Central is going to reimagine the series, uh, according to The Hollywood Reporter. Um, this also kind of falls in line with what they're doing with like Beavis and Butthead also. Um, so it makes sense i guess um it definitely has a cult following mm -hmm. so why the hell not uh just seems like comedy central is focusing on nostalgia going forward yeah i mean but ren and stippy really mark i feel like ren and stippy you know, really inspired a lot more of these, like, you know, adult-themed, you know, mm -hmm. animated shows that we got, you know, I mean, especially, you know, in the 90s, like, after Ren and Stimpy, we got a, just a slew of these shows, and it all just stems from Ren and Stimpy, so, 
I mean, if the show has that kind of following, I mean, sure. I mean, I, I'm I'm all for it. I mean, it's absolutely an insane show. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I could go for some like powdered toast, man. Why the hell not? <laughs> all right. Uh, well, last but not least, Courtney Cox confirmed to play Gail Weathers in the new Scream movie. Uh, yeah. So we know David Arquette, you know, was coming back and reprising his rose role as Dewey. So it only makes sense. I'm sure, you know, we're going to get the whole cast eventually announced, you know, in the next coming months. Um, I am like part of me is excited for this just because it's, you know, the people behind Ready or Not, which I thought was a pretty terrific film. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I was hoping that they would get to, you know, bring their own vision to, you know, to the, the franchise. But it seems like this is just going to be another, you know, sequel. And I'm just kind of over it. You know, I feel like <laughs> actually these, and I, I know this is heresy, but like, I feel like these characters, you know, the main core characters are just kind of getting in the way of this, like, you know, franchise moving forward and developing into something different and creative. Like I, I would have been fine if they just went ahead and remade, you know, the original at this point, honestly, and just like do their own take or just have everything that happened, you know, be part of, you know, the legend of Ghostface. Like I don't need, you know, seeing a, you know, 60 year old, you know, Dewey running around and Courtney Cox, <laughs> you know, at this point, um, uh, I would be, I would totally, and I, I've said this before, I would be okay if they're just like in the opening scene, like the original core characters and they just get like slaughtered by Ghostface in the very beginning and like they're able to just go ahead and like move on i know that's very like halloween (laughs) eight (laughs) what they did with jamie lee curtis Uh um but you know obviously i want them to follow that scene with like an actual good movie so not (laughs) not like buster rhymes doing like kung fu and shit um it's the best part (laughs) i just feel like it's time to pass the torch at this point you know and just breathe like new life into the franchise because the last one it was okay you know, but mm-hmm. still, I felt like it was weighted down by all the baggage from the, you know, the older characters. So I wanted them to develop like a new group of friends to follow. And no, they exactly. didn't really do that. It definitely seemed like a film or like franchise that could easily be redone at this point. Uh, it, I don't know. It, it. I don't know why they're doing it this way. Yeah. <laughs> no, and uh, Scream has its hardcore fans and everything mm-hmm. who, you know, would definitely be disappointed if, you know, you don't wouldn't have David Arquette or Courtney Cox or Nev Campbell, you know, in the movie. But I don't know. Plenty of these franchises had moved on without their like original protagonists. Exactly. So I don't know why Scream can't. So but anyway. <sighs> All right. Well, we also had a trailer this week. Yes, we have a trailer for Ryan Murphy's newest show coming to Netflix this fall, uh, titled Ratchet. Excuse me, you're eating my peach. I don't see your name on it. And who would do that? Do what? Put their name on a peach. Somebody who really wanted it. No one has ever put their name on a peach. I've seen it done. No, you haven't. What are you gonna do about it? What are you, deaf? No. Just thinking of all the things I'm going to do about it. 
You deserve someone to show you mercy. From the creator of American Horror Story, witness the origin of one of the world's most iconic characters, Nurse Ratched. Sarah Paulson stars in Ratched, coming to Netflix on September 18th. Yes, and this is based off of the novel One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and also the film starring Jack Nicholson. Um, I don't know, man. This this looks fantastic. I was really excited when I saw the trailer. Um, it's kind of out of nowhere. I, I didn't foresee, you know, mm-hmm. Nurse Ratchet getting <laughs> her own, like, origin story. Um, but it totally makes sense, that, you know, in the hands of Ryan Murphy. Um, Sarah Polson's fantastic in literally everything she does. So, and this really just looks like a spinoff of American Horror Story. Like, if you yeah, would have, like... It like had like ratchet and like the subtitle be american horror stories i would have been <laughs> surprised at all i was actually expecting that <laughs> um so but whatever i'm i'm on board well as someone who's fallen off american horror story i, I was definitely impressed with what i saw from this uh are, would you are you still excited even after every season i i think you're pretty caught up to in american horror story no no Oh, okay, I thought you watched the last one, the nineteen. No, I started watching it. Okay, <laughs> but before that, I like I, I didn't see the last two seasons. Gotcha. So I think I really only watched the first four to five seasons of it. So, um. So go, I mean, go ahead. I could ask it in a different way though. Yeah, uh, you know, as someone who's fallen off of American Horror Story, I, I definitely was interested by this. Tra- like, I, this was randomly sent to me. I had no idea that this was coming out or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, but super stylistic. I love the music choices in the trailer. And I also, um, I mean, the, the Peach scene alone really sold me on what this show could be like. And as Sarah Polson as the character of Ratched. I'm curious to see where they take the character and everything. Because we know, you know, what happens with in like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So, um, you know, how much they really you know, dive into her backstory. And, you know, is this kind of like, you know, them reimagining that story? Are we going to like, you know, is the show going to end like where, uh, you know, one flew over the cuckoo's nest like begins? I mean, is this a one season type deal? You know, is this really just a mini series or is this like, are we going to get multiple seasons of this? Um, so I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they, you know, where they take this. <laughs> All right, Christian, this week's news and rumors were sponsored by MyFeed. That's right. At MyFeed, you can get more pop culture news and stories that we might not even cover on the show. I'm talking stories about your favorite celebs and more, all on their new app and website. That's right. With MyFeed, get a full 360 view of everything happening in pop culture today. No bullshit news, no clickbait, just trendy news about the people you care about. My favorite part of the app is that you can even follow your favorite actors and get notified whenever they're announced in a new role or other news and even get updates on their most recent social media posts without even following them yeah go ahead and check out our show notes and learn how to find my feed and download the app today get ready to make my feed your feed all right well it's that time again it's time for christian's corner All right, so this week I'm going to be talking a little bit about um, Sony's recent state of play that happened earlier um, this Thursday. And then I'm also going to talk a little bit about the console war in general. Um, so to get into the state of play, um, which I kind of just watched before doing this as well. Uh, unfortunately, I, you know, as I've been saying, I'm moving, so 
timing wasn't good and I couldn't do like a live stream or anything for it to do live reactions. I'm kind of glad I didn't do live reactions for it because it wasn't too exciting. There wasn't really much to it. I mean, the new Crash Bandicoot looks awesome. Um, I'm not a big Crash fan myself, but I could totally see people getting real excited for that. Um, it definitely looks like a, a great new entry for the series. Um, I thought VR Hitman was a cool concept. <laughs> you know, you want to uh, choke someone out. <laughs> here's here's your chance. Um, Braid Anniversary was, was okay, you know. Um, again, I'm not a huge side-scroller guy, and a lot of this uh, event was side-scrollers. So, <laughs> that they were showing off. And it was barely anything really for the PlayStation 5. Now, the state of play doesn't have to be, you know, all things, you know, next-gen. They could... They've been doing these all summer, pretty much all year long, where it's just kind of like, you know, uh, what do we got going on? This is what we wanted to show off. Uh, and, you know, I, I, don't, I don't blame them, but, you know, this, you know, we just got off of the, you know, big Xbox conference where they showed off all the new games that you're going to get to play on their new console and um, Game Pass in general. And, you know, um, you would think Sony would either want to hold off or, you know, show us something substantial. Um, you know, getting into the actual, like, PlayStation 5 games that they showed off, uh, you know, first off was uh, Hood, which is kind of like uh, Robin Hood Assassin's Creed, um, <laughs> is what they were showing off there. That seems okay. Uh, you know, nothing new, nothing too exciting about it. Uh, I, I will have to see actual gameplay before I actually get excited. It was just kind of like a cinematic trailer for it. Um, and then they had a game called Temtem, which really just seemed like a ripoff of Pokemon. <laughs> but it's like a big, you know, MMO Pokemon game. Um, I, I think out of the, the ones that they did show off, this probably would have the most interest between gamers in general. I mean, it's a, it's a fucking Pokemon experience for the PlayStation. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's totally Pokemon. Like, I'm, I'm re-watching the little clip right now as we speak. I'm just... I was blown away at, at how blatantly a uh, Pokemon game it was. <laughs> um, and then last but not least, they spent a good like 10 minutes on a game called Godfall, which they've showed off a couple times before. Like, uh, I guess Sony has some big faith in this game, but nothing about it looks intriguing. It's a looter slasher, as they kept um, repeating. and. They went in detail about the gameplay and, you know, uh, what kind of world that they were trying to build and stuff. And, you know, I, they did they did make sure to explain at the beginning, you know, this is far from being finished. But at the same time, come to the show with something impressive, uh, is, is what I have to say. Because, you know, I, I love fantasy. I love fantasy you know, worlds and stuff like this. This looks as generic as they come. Uh, you know, nothing about this like stood out like the style of the game the art direction just nothing about it really uh, fucking seemed exciting uh, <laughs> and that's disappointing because for this like event that they put on to have your you know your big closer be um, Godfall and it really not do anything like I, I found myself actually getting drowsy watching the game and that's that's not how it should feel um, I, I should be excited <laughs> at, at your final game of your like little conference thing so you know the, the state of play wasn't you know anything too crazy bug snacks still terrifies me um, Vader Immortal will be coming to PSVR 
Uh, that's a, a VR game that I'm really still excited to play. I haven't gotten a chance to because I don't have any VR um, equipment. But hopefully I'll be able to change that in the upcoming years. Um, you know, not, not nothing too crazy there. Um, I think out of everything that they did show off, it, it probably goes to Crash Bandicoot as being the most exciting thing that they showed off. The, the final, or the fourth game, not the final game. But I doubt it'll ever be the final <laughs> Crash Bandicoot game. Um, Pathless had some great art direction. I thought that had a really great style. Um, while it's not typically the type of game I would be into, I definitely thought if I were to try something new um, out of all the ones that they showed off, uh, Pathless would be the one. Um, oh, and um, Aeon Must Die kind of got me with um, the heavy synthwave music, of course. But, you know, nothing too crazy at this state of play, um, which is disappointing right after having, you know, the big Xbox showcase that they just did. Um, so, I mean, that being said, does the console war even really matter anymore? Um, you know, now that we're at a point where we've kind of seen where next gen is heading, you know, um, Xbox itself seems like they don't really care. Not, not that they don't care. That's the, that's the wrong way of saying it. They care, but they, they're going in a direction that doesn't focus on the Xbox Series X as like, you need to have this. Whereas like, I remember back Xbox 360, it's like, this is the console. And then Xbox One, this is the console. That's how they, you know, presented themselves. They they were going to war with PlayStation and stuff. So when you, when you compare that to how they are with the Xbox Series X, you know, it's really focusing on that this is all great but we want you to get on Game Pass. Game Pass is the thing to have. Subscribe today. That's that's what I'm getting from it. So does the console war really even matter anymore? Doesn't exist. And I've been seeing articles and you know videos coming up left and right. You know, is this the end? Is is next gen going to be the end of the console war in general? And I I, I actually honestly agree. I think you know I brought this up a couple of weeks ago on the show where I, I was stating. You know, Xbox seems to be more focused on Game Pass. Uh, you know, the, the Series X just seems like it was, it's just out there to have another console to go up against PlayStation for now, but their main goal is going to be Game Pass. Uh, and I think that's going to be the general direction for most games developers and game console makers at this point. I, I can only imagine that Sony will have something at at par with um, Game Pass in the next like five years. Um, I think we're going to see that these consoles coming out might be the last big consoles. And they might have something come out later on uh, as technology grows, but it's never going to be, you know, Xbox 360 versus PlayStation 3 again. It's not going to be, um, you know, Xbox One versus PS4. It's going to be, you know, hey, which subscription basis is the better one? Which one do I get more games on? Which one will I get to um, play and have the best experience on? Um, you know, we have Xbox coming out with its um, cloud service games, um, stuff like that, which you know has it's a cloud service, so it's going to have a rocky road, but it should be better than whatever fucking Stadia was trying to do. Uh, we're we're in a new generation, and I guess um, with that being said, uh, if this is the end of the war, what who do you think won in general? Because I mean, fucking, I, I've been following the console wars my almost my entire life. 
you know? <laughs> Ever since Xbox came onto the market, there seems to have been a heightened sense of which console do you need to own and stuff like that. So, I mean, you know, fire off in our comments or on our um, social media. Let us know what you, what was your favorite console in the past and stuff like that. I definitely would like to hear and give my opinion on that. But um, beyond that, you know, I, I really think we're, we're this next generation will be, and I, I've repeated this multiple times at this point, um, kind of the beginning of the end of the console wars and the beginning of, you know, something brand new uh, to video games in general. Um, you know, it's, you know, in, in some ways it's, it, it feels like a negative because, you know, you know, when it comes down to, you know, the concept of you're not really owning anything anymore, everything's a subscription-based uh, service nowadays, uh, I, I could see how that sucks, but at the same time, Game Pass is a fucking great deal. <laughs> $15 a month and you get all those experiences. Now, if they can get get it to where you can cross-play with other people while using Game Pass, that's where they really need to work on. Because uh, like the concept of you know playing some PC games on Game Pass and not being able to do multiplayer with people that play it on Steam, that's frustrating. It makes you really have to think, all right, which you know which service am I going to use to buy and download and keep this game for the rest of the time? You know where are my friends going to be at? Who um, you know what kind of people am I going to be playing with? You know modding, all the all that uh, has to be considered at a certain point. Um, it's that these are the things that you know gamers have to worry about nowadays. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we're we're facing a new generation. Um, I, I am excited. Next week there's going to be another um, Cyberpunk CityWire um, video coming out on Monday. Uh, that that news just dropped out of nowhere um, yesterday. Uh, that should be fucking awesome. Uh, they're going to go over some more like life um, plan stuff and uh, where, what you can do with weapons and everything. That should be fucking awesome to see. Um, and beyond that, uh, there is a beta coming out this weekend for the Avengers game. Um, I'm going to hold off till next weekend. I'm gonna wait till like the free version of the beta coming out on the 14th, rather than pre-ordering and stuff. Cause the game hasn't shown me anything, you know, worth worth pre-ordering. You know, um, you know, vote with your money. That's always what I say. You know, wait until a game develop developer really shows off the game uh, in a way that gets you amped up and excited for it. Um, the Avengers game still eh, a little meh for me, but um, I am gonna be happy to stream that. Hopefully next weekend, depending on how this move goes and how uh, my schedule goes, uh, we'll see where that. Uh, tomorrow um, will be Saturday for me, and that should be my last uh, Ghost of Tsushima stream for this week. Um, and then uh, Sunday will be my uh, big move, so I won't be able to do a stream that day. Uh, and then, but we will keep playing it until I reach the fucking end. Don't worry. We're nowhere near that. <laughs> so hopefully if you've been enjoying any of that, make sure that you are joining us on YouTube. Subscribe, like the videos, watch the videos. Uh, we post gameplay videos there Monday through Friday. Uh, that's the edited down versions of the streams. And then on Saturday and Sunday is when I do um, the actual streams for it. Uh, more content is going to be coming, as I said. Uh, the Avengers game is going to be next Friday. That's going to be my stream for that. Um, if I can, if I have time to do a setup and stuff by Monday, I would love to do a stream for the um, Night City Wire uh, video for Cyberpunk coming out on Monday. So we'll see if we'll be able to do a live reaction for that. But um, beyond that, that's, that's going to do it for my corner this week.
All right, Damon, I read a comic book this week. That's right. Uh, comic Book Spotlight is back. So, uh, Christian, what book did you read? I read Star Wars number five. All right, and this is, of course, published by Marvel, um, written by Charles Soule, and uh, penciled by Jesus, or Jesus, says, yes. <laughs> I'm going to guess these days, One of these days with the comics, we're going to have a clean read. I yes. swear. <laughs> we don't do names well. No, never. <laughs> so we apologize. Yes. All right. So it's it's been a little while since uh, we've talked Star Wars comics in general. Well, I mean, it's been a little while since we've talked comics in general, Christian. So <laughs> last week was Fair the first enough. week in like three months, but there weren't any comics out there. So, mm-hmm. you know, they stop actually like distributing them, publishing them. So it is what it is. But yes, we're hopefully back in the saddle. <laughs> um, um, obviously, I didn't read the damn book, but <laughs> I'm glad you did. So yes, I, I got nice and caught up. Um, Soul is one of my favorite uh, writers when it comes to Star Wars, especially. Uh, I read his whole Darth Vader series, and um, this actually tied into it. Um, we get where we are at with the story is that Luke is, you know, he couldn't find his lightsaber, and he when he was on his way to find it, he had a little vision about some a woman on another planet uh, that might be able to help him learn more about the Force. Um, and after you know rescuing Leia, uh, he goes off to do so. Uh, he gets to the planet, and you know she's very hesitant and like runs away from him almost. Uh, so once we do get introduced to her, um, she is Verla, uh, actually a character from um, his previous Darth Vader series, uh, who was being trained by Baron Ver- uh, Barr, uh, an old Padawan from the uh, before Order Order sixty six. This is a Soul series. Yes. Okay. What happened with Barr, uh, if you don't recall, uh, he, he got all of his Padawans and learners killed by Vader and the um, Inquisitors. Uh, so she has a very bad history with Vader. And um, when she uh, reaches into Luke's mind, um, she sees that he is the son of Vader. And it you know it kind of just ends there. It's a very quick issue. Um, catching- is, there a, is there a standoff between the two? Um, she like, she has him trapped in this kind of like water container that it will fill up with water if she hits a button. Um, and it's a very Batman villain. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Approach (laughs) to dealing with the problem. Exactly. Uh, as soon as, as soon as she finds out that he's the son of Vader, she hits a button and Luke is drowning and that's, it's to be continued. From okay. there, uh, it was. It felt like I read like five pages. I mean, it was fast. It was just bam, 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 bam. Um, a lot of the issues in this series so far has been like that. They're very like I don't know, brisk. Exactly. I mean, it's um, not a bad thing, but you know, in, in, from what I read, like the first three issues that I read, I I'm not caught up. But I mean, it's been a fun series. But they are very light. Uh, that didn't bother me until I read issue four. In general, I mean, that felt. Very much like he was just treading water to get to the next point in his story. Um, And then with issue five not being too much there, you know, when I I don't know, I'm a a little turned off to the book at the moment from what I've read. But I mean, the first. Yeah, you're right. The first like two issues were really good. Um, And then three through five have just feel like they're treading a little bit. Uh, especially for a soul book i mean even what he did with x-men it was constant like there was always something going on yeah so nonstop action 
exactly. Uh, so I, I mean, I'm still going to keep reading on. I'm, I'm interested to see where this goes, but at the same time, it's just like, I don't, I don't know if I fully believe all this was going on between the two movies either. <laughs> okay. Fair um, enough. And the characterization of, um, Lando so far is starting to get a little bit on my nerves. Um, Personally. Okay, why so? In issue four, like they had to, it feels like they're just reiterating, like, "Oh, I'm not helping anyone out. I don't want to help the rebellion and stuff." But he keeps kind of doing things that help the rebellion anyway. Okay, I don't know. It it, it feels weird. It feels like a little forced, like um, they're hitting I, you over the head yes, with it over exactly. and over again. Okay, like I you get can, it. <laughs> it's predict. You know where the character ends up, so exactly. it, it probably feels a little. Pre- predictable and redundant mm-hmm. after a while so i get does luke actually find his uh lightsaber no um oh obviously we know that <laughs> <Yes>. right <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't find it but they do show someone finding his lightsaber in issue four so oh. uh, as we do know it does end up getting to maz Kanata, but maz, uh, yeah uh, that's right now do we think verla is the mysterious like cloaked like uh being that luke has the vision of in like issue i believe two or three that's what that's what they assume like that's the assumption that he puts out is that i've been having visions of you constantly so uh, okay. he had another one again when he was looking for the lightsaber uh, interesting do you think mm-hmm. they're gonna pull a swerve um i don't because like they i don't know if they're gonna pull a swerve you know just like how they did with that recent vader book where they had like uh, Amidala show up out of nowhere, <laughs> yeah, and it was one of her dupes. Right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, I feel like I feel like it'll stay with this because I mean she does have like a rich history with Vader, but I don't know how much she has to teach him when she was being trained by a Padawan herself. You know, yeah. it's <laughs> but she does seem to have power. I appreciate them trying to fill in the blanks because Luke mm-hmm. is like. You know, a completely like, I mean, he's, he walks into Jabba's palace, a Jedi master. So, (laughs) um, so, and we know that he didn't train with Yoda during that period of time. Mm -hmm. At least we don't think he did. Um, so it it would make sense for him to be getting like, you know, tutored by another Jedi. So I, I appreciate that, but you know, I don't know. We'll see. Before we move on, this week's episode is brought to you by Mystified. All right, Damon, per usual. I was up late last night, but it was for a good reason. Oh, yeah? What's that? I found a new podcast to binge, and I was binging it all night. All right, well, you know, tell me more. It's a podcast filled with strange stories exploring everything from hauntings to true crime. All right, well, don't leave me hanging, man. What's it called? It's called Mystified. From aliens to crime scenes, they will keep you on the edge of your seat. They don't take themselves too seriously, and they love drunken conversations about all things weird and macabre. Well, it sounds like my kind of podcast. I'll grab a drink and get ready to binge. And, you know, so should our listeners. That's right. Do yourself a favor and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, head over to Facebook and join the Mystified Discussion Group. Or you could follow them on Instagram at mystified underscore pod. All right. Um, moving on, you watched a series on Netflix. That's right. I saw the second season of The Umbrella Academy. Everything in our new life is connected from the plot to assassinate the president. That can't be a coincidence. None of us are supposed to be here, right? We know something changes the timeline. We have to make it right again. Before everyone and everything we know is dead. So season two of the Umbrella Academy 
takes like one of the happiest surprises from last year and just elevates this wonderful series to the next level. Um, so like spoilers, the season starts off with the siblings uh, being separated and thrown into like different years throughout the early 60s. Um, this is all done when Five teleports them back into time in this last ditch effort to save them from impending doom and the apocalypse. So like, I'll be honest, like right from the get-go, I was pretty annoyed with the cast being separated at the start of the season. It just feels so formulaic and, you know, it's kind of a thing with the ensemble cast. I mean, see The Walking Dead. You know, my problem with this kind of trope is you're just kind of stuck following all these different characters on like personal journeys that just feels like they're really leading to nowhere. Um, you're kind of stuck like treading water story-wise and waiting for your cast to reunite. And in my book, it's just kind of lazy storytelling. It feels like just a way to fill out an episode count. And like you get this like disingenuous, like artificial feel-good moment in the middle of the season that really in the long run means nothing. But, you know, I'm happy to say this wasn't the case at all with season two of the Umbrella Academy. Um, each of the siblings' personal subplots added so many layers and dimensions to their characters and, it, like, really gave us storylines and a supporting cast that really, really mattered and you cared about. Like, you got invested with these arcs almost as much as the main storyline. We got like a better understanding of what makes like this group work and like what like is really at their core. And like the 60s was just the perfect backdrop for like this show's aesthetics. Um, the simplicity of the time played like a nice like parallel to like the complexity of like the developing characters. I, I said last season, the whole vibe of this show is like, what if Wes Anderson made an X-Men film? But this season, man, you know, all that stylized goodness is still there, but the story has just moved past it. Um, this is a show truly about family. Even in a brief epic scene in the first episode, which is one of my favorite scenes in the whole like season, um, we get a glimpse of a possible apocalyptic like scenario that sees the family like working in terrifying unison that obviously doesn't end well. But like from that scene to like all the way to the final episode, we get this full circle and we see that their destiny is truly like being together as a family. I mean, <laughs> from that glorious scene that I was talking about, like in the first episode, it's just such a well-paced roller coaster ride with so many different like plot twists and like just turns that you don't see coming that really like keeps you like not knowing if you're coming or going um but just wanting more the entire time there's no wasted moments or downtime everything feels necessary to tell this story and you leave this season with a lot more questions with answer than answers um but it's not frustrating which can happen a lot of times with series you want to know more and you're like waiting with bated breath to get to season three everyone gets a moment uh, to shine you know character wise 
You know, and all the actors just bring their A game, you know, and really just owning their roles. You know, whereas last season, Ellen Page and Klaus's character, played by uh, Robert Sheehan, drove the show in like season two, everyone feels equally important. Um, you know, one of the biggest highlights, honestly, of the show was uh, Ritu Arya played, um, she plays a character named Lila. And, you know, even though a lot of times new characters can, like, feel kind of annoying and just in the way, she almost, like, comes dangerously close to stealing the show by herself, um, which is insane to think with such a strong cast. Um... You know, my favorite aspect of the show when it comes down to it is it, it truly feels like a comic book come to life. A lot of times, like Hollywood uses comics as a source of material, but they never truly embrace the medium. Umbrella Academy not only embraces it, it fucking doubles down. And while like the story might deviate from the comic, like it's based on, they still manage to capture like the true spirit of the storytelling. And I think it's one of the purest representations of comic on, like, film. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> I went super light on spoilers on purpose because I just want people to, you know, go see this sh show. Um, it just came out, you know, and if you haven't caught, like, this the first season, go ahead, you know, binge that and then watch the second season. It is well worth your time. Yeah, man, unfortunately, I've been cleaning and packing and doing all this stuff, moving between houses. That's why I hadn't had a chance to even pick up from where I left off in the first season, <laughs> let alone uh, binge up and catch up to you. Fair but, enough. Um, was there Life any... gets in the way exactly. sometimes. It's okay. <laughs> uh, but was there, like, as you said, like, there was multiple storylines focusing on each character. Was there a character that really stood out or a storyline that I really mean, stood out to you throughout the series? They all hold their own, like I was saying. Um, Without spoiling anything, uh, I think Ben, um, who's the brother who's actually a ghost, um, I feel mm. like he had a really, really strong arc where, you know, in the first season, he was very much just kind of a side character. And then um, mm. I mentioned her before, uh, Lila, um, she was a, just a breath of fresh air for the series. Um, and not that it needed that, but I thought she was a real, like, captivating character and everything and so charismatic, um, you know her arc and pretty much anything with like the commission too um we get to see more of like the inner workings of the commission and everything where like i almost wanted more of that um you know and we'll see mm. what we get like in the third season so but yeah i mean the, the, like i said i just i highly recommend like checking this series out if you haven't yet well beyond your recommendation what would you give it as a grade? I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to give it an A. Yeah, we do, I mean, we don't hand those out, you know, very often. <laughs> a grades. But uh, this is definitely one of my favorite series of the year so far. No, it's definitely good to hear after a sea of D. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> a giant ocean of failing grades. <laughs> At least the last month or so. So, no, this, this definitely, you know, helped curb uh, the overall score of the year. So. Well, speaking of failing grades, we have wrestling to talk about. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Um, one show in particular. <laughs> Let's talk some Raw Underground, Christian. But before we get into Raw, we've got one more word from our sponsors. This week's episode is sponsored by Manscaped. 2020 has been the year of things happening that are completely out of your control. But there is one thing you can control, and that's shaving your bush. 
our sponsors at Manscaped are here to remind you to do so. Christian, we're all stuck inside right now, and a lot of us are taking care of household projects that we all thought we'd never get to. Well, I'm here to tell you, don't let things get out of control below the belt. It's time to add shaving your balls to your honey to-do list. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is a premium electric trimmer that's designed to give you a confidence boost through body image. Their ceramic blade and skin-safe technology are designed to reduce nicks or tugs on your fellas down below. The Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof and comes with an LED light, so you can manscape in the shower, in the dark, or in a dark shower. Whatever floats your boat. Listen, God knows, it looks like I got two caterpillars fighting my forehead. So I was super excited when Manscaped released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on to their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools, and it includes tip tweezers, rounded pointed scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. The Shears 2.0 nail kit allows you to pluck your eyebrows and trim your nails in style. On their website, you'll also find the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. This will help you tame that summer swamp ass with natural hydrators and antioxidants. You'll also find the Crop Reviver, a testy toner that's like having cologne that is designed for your balls. And listen, we won't judge you if we catch you sniffing yourself, you fucking weirdos. So go <laughs> to Manscaped.com and check out all these life-changing products. In fact, listeners of the show will get 20% off plus free shipping when they go to Manscaped.com slash nerdshow. That's right, 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com slash nerdshow. It's time to grab 2020 by the balls and show it who's boss with manscaped and the nerd show i have a whole bunch of receipts to cash in a bunch of receipts for me for some of the guys in the current roster some of our former superstars every legend you have ever kicked in the damn head randy at SummerSlam. i'm gonna rip off your head and i promise you i swear to you randy you're sure as hell gonna see it coming so yeah, this week I wanted to really just kind of focus on the dumpster fire that Raw was, um, <laughs> which is really unfortunate because I felt like SmackDown was a pretty solid show um, and they've had a couple weeks mm. of like really solid shows, but then Raw happened um, and I knew something was up <laughs> and like, you know, early on Monday, um, they made the announcement that a new faction was showing up and then they also announced that Shane McMahon was making an appearance. I was like, uh oh something's going on and i guess like backstage it was just pure chaos and a lot of rewriting happening um i I don't know if they just like hit the panic button with like raw's ratings lately they've just been in the toilet um but it definitely showed up on screen um and i will i will say this um you know there's some parts of the show that were okay actually um that i was pleased with but my God, they just can't help but like shoot themselves in the foot like week after week. Um, and this was more of the same. So, I mean, we 
we start off the show with like a uh, you know a U.S. title match between Apollo Cruz or the returning Apollo Cruz, um, who's yes. been selling an injury, um, you know, selling a full Melson <laughs> injury, which is just ridiculous to me by uh, Bobby Lashley. But I think that the rumor, at least allegedly, he was actually out because of like COVID. I don't know if it was him coming in contact with someone or you know he had it himself. But that that is the rumor out there. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised Apollo actually won the match. I thought the Hurt Business was going to somehow get involved or something or, you know, some kind of wonky fi- finish where we end up like having to have like some kind of ladder match with those two belts. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. Usually when there's two belts involved, it ends up in a ladder match. So but that wasn't the case here. Apollo walked away with both belts. Um, and, you know, he cut a halfway decent promo in the back, too. Felt a little looser, um, showed a little more personality. So I was like, okay, well, this is a decent start to Raw. Um, And then Hmm. we got uh, the Riot Squad um, reuniting against the Iconics. I thought Ruby Riot um, had a pretty good performance, um, pleading her case to uh, Liv Morgan. Uh, I thought it was well done. I'm I'm glad that they're allowing Ruby to actually get some mic time. Um, the match was brief at best. That <laughs> wasn't much of a match at all. Um, and I don't like the use of Kevin Owens as like you know the moderator here. But you know you want Kevin Owens on your show, and I guess this was what they chose for him. But overall, I was happy to see you know something being focused on with the women's division that didn't involve the title. So it's a different storyline yes. going on that's not just totally title-driven. Um, you know, so they're, I guess, Ruby and Liv are together. I still don't trust it, though. I feel like one of them's going to turn on the other. Um, we'll see what happens. But it was a good performance by Ruby. I will say that. Uh, but then... And Sarah Logan is... Yeah, well, she's, <laughs> she's expecting, I believe. So she's definitely not returning. Yes. Um, and speaking of good performances, Drew McIntyre had one of the best promos of his career. Um, it was fantastic. It was a good interaction between like him and Randy, um, you know, super honest about like Randy and, you know, the differences between their two careers. Drew brought up the fact that if, you know, you know, Randy Orton would have been fired, you know, 20 times over if he was just Drew McIntyre, but because of his lineage and everything like that. You know, he's gotten a pass his entire career. And, you know, the difference between him and Drew is Drew actually wants to be there. You know, this is his chosen profession where Randy, you know, this is like option C for him. Um, You know, it was a really good, great, like, interaction that I felt built really well towards their SummerSlam match. And it shows that Drew is just getting better and better every week. Um but yeah, th- th- after this, there was a weird confrontation between Flair and Kevin Owens. Um, you know, and th- like like I said, this is all you know. Okay, this is adding up to just an average episode of Raw so far. <laughs> um, but I I knew something was coming though. God damn it. <laughs> Because things were going a little too well. Um, Kevin Owens and Ric Flair. Um, I don't know what the fuck Ric Flair's doing there um, with COVID out there, but the crazy old bastard's there. And I guess they've been having a hard time keeping him at home for some reason. At least that, that's what they claim. Uh, but Flair told um, okay. Owens he needs to get his, basically he needs to get his career back on track and he needs to stop being a guidance counselor, um, you know, so which I kind of actually agree with. 
So Flair, it's just he is just head and shoulders above everybody, even at like seventy five years old, like on the microphone <laughs> and playing this character right now. It's ridiculous, um, you know. And Kevin's great. Um, we'll see where this leads. Um, he is going to face Kevin. Uh, he's going to face uh, Randy Orton next week. So, and they're doing a lot of big angles for Raw because they're trying to get that rating back on track. Mm-hmm. Um, last week it was, I believe, a one point six. So, um, so you're seeing a lot of like major storylines happening now on the show, um, you know, which is a good or you know, as we're gonna see, a bad thing also. So, um, a lot of shotgunning going on. Uh, Nia Jax. Uh, decided to take out uh pat buck after she was told to um apologize to him um she said fuck that i'm going to uh fight you instead and she threatened him and then she started to pummel him and that was it um so she has been suspended i don't know if this is a way of writing her off the show till after SummerSlam, just because they don't have anything for her um, this kind of carries on her like issues with authority that happened uh, a couple weeks back where um, she got into it with the referee. So I'm hoping that she takes the time and goes down to, uh, well, I guess they're already at the Performance Center, <laughs> but like train with NXT a little more, you know, uh-huh. get a little more seasons because she definitely needs it, um, especially after that pull apart between her and Shayna Baszler last week that was just the shits so um but yeah this this felt like a giant waste of time i didn't know why i should care about pat buck um you know it just felt awkward and just out of place and this is kind of like where we're starting to see the show unravel you know and i i think this is our two so it always starts with nia Jax. Yes, huh? pretty much <laughs> <laughs> it is a theme um Shelton uh, defended the uh, 24-7 title against R-Truth and Tozawa. Uh, he ended up losing this match. And it just it was like, are you even trying to push the Hurt Business? I, I don't. You just put together these guys. And it feels yeah. like all they do is fucking lose. So I was starting to get frustrated here. Because I felt like, okay, we're turning a new leaf for Shelton at least. And, like, you know, he's been, you know, in our face as a fucking job guy for the last, like, three or four years at this point. So I was like, okay, if you're going to breathe some new life and you're going to make it a big deal that he's joined them, which apparently they're not, uh, you know, at least give him a couple wins. I don't even know what the hell he's doing with this fucking belt in the first place. You know, this should be, like, beneath him, but it's not. So Tozawa actually ended up winning this belt, and it is what it is. There was fucking ninja hijinks and you know random bullshit in this match and is, is the giant ninja no, still there no we'll get to that <laughs> he's not there um he's somewhere else right now um gotcha. he uh he's guarding the door uh to uh, raw underground christian so unmasked unmasked oh. but yeah yeah that's that's his really upgraded apparently his <laughs> Uh, but yes, so then we get a kind of cool interaction backstage, um, between, uh, Shayna Baszler and Sasha Banks. So yes, somewhere around here, Asuka cuts an impassioned promo about how she's going to get revenge, um, for Kyrie Sane after, you know, Bailey beat her down in the back and, you know, they allude to like it costing her career kind of, even though I feel like she says she's fine at one point. But I, I'm not sure. <laughs> it was it was a bizarre kind of little promo. Um, but 
they definitely got the point across that like Asuka's furious at like Bailey and you know, Sasha. So, but uh, Sasha and Bailey are kind of like having a rebuttal backstage. Shayna Baszler walks up and punches Sasha in the fucking mouth. Um, I was excited, and then they went ahead and announced a match. Um, and I was like, oh no, <laughs> where is this going? Because I was kind of thinking, oh, maybe this is going to be like a SummerSlam match. Maybe that's where they're going with this. But uh, that wasn't the case. Uh, they ended up having a very brief match um, that ended up in a no contest when Asuka ran out and attacked Bailey, who was on the outside of the ring and not in the match. Yeah. Huh. So apparently WWE just doesn't care anymore or they've forgotten their own <laughs> rules. <laughs> Because never before has that been a DQ. That happens literally on every other show at some point. Um, they just don't care. And I, I think part of it is like they're trying to protect Shayna and Sasha. But I don't know why they thought that this would work. You know, and like it just angers everyone because we're completely robbed of this match over a finish exactly. that makes no sense whatsoever. So, yeah, um, they just can't get out of their own way, honestly, because they <laughs> did this kind of with Sasha and Asuka at the pay-per-view where, you know, yeah. they had her celebrate an obvious non-pinfall victory, you know, when Bailey, you know, refed the match and counted three. So I just <laughs> it's frustrating. Um, and this is when I started to really get turned off. Um, at this point, too, we started getting glimpses of Raw Underground, uh, which is like someone interrupted my shitty fucking wrestling show with a shitty fucking B-movie from like the mid-90s. Uh, <laughs> I felt like I was on the set of like, you know, Miami Vice, you know, like some <laughs> some really fucking, you know, seedy, you know, nightclub with Shane McMahon playing like the shady owner. We even had, like, these women dancing for no reason in the background, which just felt, like, totally out of place. And then we were treated to some fake mixed martial arts um, with no rhyme or reason, no setup of, like, what are the rules here? What the fuck is going on? How is Shane, like, <laughs> taking over the show like this? Um, we got some NXT, like, you know, um, students... Um, there was a big guy, I can't think of his goddamn name right now, and I honestly don't care, but he's been in the system for a long time. You know, he destroyed someone, you know, that they... Oh, oh, Dabo Kato? Is that, is that, is, is that actually how you pronounce it, first of all? <laughs> I don't know how that's how you pronounce it, but it's like Dabo sure, Kato we'll or go. something like we'll that. We'll go with it, man. They didn't even announce his opponent, you know, they just had the, a brief no. fight. Um, the match was awful. Um, just a bunch of cutaways. The ref didn't even call it. Shane McMahon called it. Yeah, Shane McMahon's yes, called. Uh, I don't. I don't understand what the hell's happening. What I'm supposed to expect from this? Like, I mean, the fact that they have fake mixed martial arts happening, like, I'm able to suspend my disbelief, you know, during my fake wrestling show. But then, like, are you telling me the fake wrestling show is fake in this storyline, and then this is the real fighting? Like, I don't understand what I'm supposed to make of this. Because <laughs> how is this different than anything that could have happened in the ring? without? It's just like a ring without ropes, honestly. Because we had one of the Viking Raiders yeah. come out, and he fought. 
but uh, he didn't do anything different than he does like in the ring. Like he just beat the guy really quickly and that was it. You know, like who's signing up for this and why? Is there a belt? Like, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, there's like, I mean, I don't understand. Like they, they've dabbled in this before. I, Shamrock had like a Lions Den match at one point, I believe, against Owen Hart, mm. where they had like a cage and everything. Like, so they've they've done this before. It never ends well. It never goes over. So I, I they're just desperate for anything. It feels like um, to get people talking, um, mm-hmm. you know. And they did get a little bump in the ratings from it but a very like small bump it was still like the sixth lowest rated show um in raw history so i mean it didn't really do that much for them and i feel like it was more of a like you know a car accident you know uh <laughs> you know like people <laughs> just stopping and staring type deal than anything uh-huh. um i don't think like it's gonna be a sustainable like ratings bump for them Honestly, I don't feel like people are going to be tuning in to see this. I mean, maybe, you know, as like, you know, like I said, Crash TV, just to see what the fuck is, you know, what these idiots are going to do next. Um, But yeah, uh, at the end, like Dolph Ziggler was part of this for some reason. Um, They had, uh, oh, the Hurt Business shows up after getting their asses kicked all night. And they just apparently take over the Raw Underground show. And Shane is okay with this. They uh, Shelton and MVP get in the ring and beat the shit out of some job guys. And we're supposed to be impressed. But, I mean, once again, we just saw them fucking lose. So, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> it really does nothing for them. You know, it's just more of this, like, mentality of, like, well, it's okay if they lose here as long as they win here. You know, that type deal. As long as they end the show looking good. Mm. No one cares about, you know, the fact that they can't win a goddamn wrestling match. Yeah, it just, it does, it's like backwards <laughs> logic. And it show. just, I mean, no one is mm. going to get over. And we've seen that, like doing, like booking things like this. So it's just frustrating because I actually like the Hurt Business. And I, I, I think they could work well. I don't like the name, but I like the, the faction, the idea of the faction. Uh-huh. And MVP has been great. Um, and I like that they're, finally doing something with, you know, Shelton Benjamin. And I feel like Bobby Lashley has a main event like run coming um, if they don't, you know, get in their own way. Um, But yeah, no, this did not work at all. And this was a huge turnoff for me. And honestly, (laughs) I was so happy that I had AEW and NXT on Wednesday (laughs) to look forward to. Um, It's disappointing because, you know, I'm, like Friday when SmackDown end, I was like, okay, well maybe they're finally getting their shit together. Maybe they're, you know, you know, like just figuring things out. It was such a solid show, but yeah, that's not the case at all. Is it? <laughs> um, oh, the faction. Well, I forgot to tell you about the faction. Yes. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. We get some guys, you know, in black hoodies, like in some weird footage that is supposed to take place earlier on in the day. Um, destroying a, like uh, a generator or something like that, which was really frustrating because they had this footage apparently that took place earlier on in the day, but then they had all these questions in the beginning of the show. The mics kept on going out and the lights were flickering, and no one could figure out what was going on. But but they had they have footage, footage of, of someone destroying a generator. <laughs> 
And they tease this new faction, you know, uh, coming to Raw. So they apparently they couldn't put one and one together. <laughs> it's just I don't I don't know what the hell's going on anymore, Christian. <laughs> so something I got I got lost on was whatever happened to the hacker? Oh, he's gone. That's not happening unless <laughs> unless they over. make the hacker part of this group. So apparently, the idea behind this group, and this is the rumor that there's supposed to be a take of like Antifa right now, where you know how you know they're all these protests and you know people taking down statues Mm -hmm. this is supposed to be their you know way of being current angle wise so um yeah what what's even the best case scenario they forget about it in a week or two honestly (laughs) (laughs) i usually hate when that happens (laughs) but i this is just a bad idea and i think this is gonna just go poorly fast um, so I, I want them to stay the hell away from this, Get, stay away <laughs> from fucking politics right now. So, and usually they try to, um, you know, at least mm-hmm. lately. So I was really surprised to hear that. Um, I don't know who's going to be behind it. I have a theory. So oh, yeah? Kevin Owens multiple times, I felt dur- during the show, especially, um, during when he was talking to Ruby Riot and um, Liv about friendship and everything, talked about like you know how he you know screwed up so many relationships in the past, and I think he even mentioned it again with Flair. Um, I think they're bringing back Sami Zayn, and I could see maybe Sami Zayn being part of this group. No, oh, so, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it kind of fits everything that he was doing before he left. He got stripped mm-hmm. of the um, IC title. Um, you know, because he stayed home. So I could possibly see, you know, Zane being part of this group. So if he's willing to come back, because, you know, he might still be at home saying fuck that shit, rightfully so. <laughs> I feel like he would be against doing this storyline, though, personally. I don't know, because he had that group with Cesaro and Nakamura, where they're like the artist contingency and that he was supposed to be like freeing the oppressed so you know and i mean obviously he was referring to wrestlers not being used but i yeah i don't know man i don't know i've got a bad feeling (laughs) oh and the name of the new faction which was announced well after the show i think a a couple days is uh retribution (laughs) now do you think they would just put nakamura and cesaro back together with him at that I, point, I don't not doing think so. Anything. Well, no, they have the, they got the tag titles over in SmackDown. They're not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I think this is going to be a contingency of like basically lower mid card guys who feel like they've been wronged, and they're coming to like you know basically cause chaos during you know Raw. Um, I could even see maybe them throwing Apollo Cruz into the group. You know, maybe turn him uh, like heel. Um, it's kind of like I, a, a Nexus type situation. I think so. I mean, not nearly as awesome as like <laughs> their their fantastic debut. Uh, <laughs> this was lackluster to say the least, especially after they, after they teased them all day. Um, just trying to fucking pop the radio. And it, like people were furious afterwards, too. They didn't realize that 
the faction was supposed to be the group outside destroying the generator. Uh-huh. So people were like, what the fuck happened to the faction? Like, we already had the Hurt Business. What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> so I th- I feel like they're going to face some serious backlash next week rating-wise. I think you're going to get a bunch of, like, you know, maybe curious onlookers mm-hmm. next, you know, episode. And you might get a slight, you know, boost just to people, like, coming to see the carnage of what used to be Raw. <laughs> But after that, I feel like it's just going to drop again, especially with sports starting up. You know, you've exactly. got football right around the corner and everything. Um, yeah. And I think WWE knows that. I mean, they hot shotted like two big raws uh, matches match wise with some like serious like championship matches like the last two weeks. And it got them nothing ratings wise. So I think they're desperate and scared right now. <laughs> so um we'll see we'll see what happens because there is once again there's a rumor that they're supposed to do a draft again in october that just you know came That's out recently so and i was i was speculating that maybe they'd get rid of the draft mm-hmm. you know so they can have a bigger roster and pop a rating that way um but apparently not maybe. oh oh my god i totally forgot someone got poisoned on the show what <laughs> Montez Ford got poisoned. Um, yes, this is this is the kind of episode we had going on. <laughs> um, so I guess uh, we had single matches between the two tag teams. Street Profits are going to be facing against uh, Garza and Andrade at uh, SummerSlam. So we had two single matches set up. Uh, Montez Ford uh, versus Andrade and Garza versus Dawkins. During uh, the Dawkins and Garza match, Ford all of a sudden just collapses. Um, They go to commercial break, and then all of a sudden he's in the ring and he's having a match. So WWE apparently has the worst fucking doctors in the world where you can collapse, (laughs) pass out, and they'll still clear you to wrestle a couple minutes later. (laughs) (laughs) I guess Punk was right. I was like, what are you doing? And they try to like actually like, you know, like rationalize this, but it did not work whatsoever. Um, But yeah. So, but then during Ford's match with Andrade, everything's going fine. Everything. He goes to the ropes. He does his little ultimate warrior thing. And then he collapses again, you know, a la like Shawn Michaels versus own heart, like back in the late nineties. So I'm thinking, I'm like, are they doing a concussion angle? Like what the hell is going on here? Well, he's backstage in the trainer's, all of a sudden, um, Bianca Belair comes out and uh, states that he's been poisoned, and she attacks Selena Vega. Uh, they both, they the, the you know both guys claim innocence and everything like that. We'll see if this is uh, retribution. <laughs> you know the faction because uh, I don't know where this could be going. Uh-huh. I don't feel like it's actually going to be Dawkins, not Dawkins, um, Garza and Andrade. Uh, it just feels too obvious. So we'll see what happens here. Um, very, very strange and stupid <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, oh, we also have Dominic. Uh, he's going to face Seth at a uh, SummerSlam. Feels like way too much too soon for Dominic. Yeah. Uh, physicality wise, he's looked okay. You know, from what we've seen him briefly like doing. Um, you know, coming out and caning the shit out of, you know, Rollins and Murphy. But I don't know, man. A SummerSlam match? Rollins is good and he can carry anyone. And I think they'll protect him. But I just, 
he shouldn't be an active wrestler for a while. I hope like this is kind of a one-off deal. You know, he goes down to NXT and trains for a year or two before we actually see him on camera again. Because it feels like a little too much too soon for him. It's got to be like a five-day match, right? Oh, yeah. I don't think it's going to be that long. You know. Uh, they did have Samoa Joe uh, come out and protect Todd Phillips. Uh, Rollins was getting in his face. Joe uh, jumped up and, you know, was terrifying, um, as always, and showed why he's, like, you know, one of the most talented guys on the roster. And it just made me want to see him wrestle again. <laughs> I'm guessing that he must be getting close to being cleared that, you mm. know, they had him kind of get involved. It, it, it Nothing physical happened, but... It was a nice little moment. It was very similar to what happened like six months ago, though, <laughs> with Joe. He was on commentary. Um, Rollins and crew came out and I think got in a Lawler's face, I believe. And Joe jumped up. So um, and that's kind of how he got involved in the whole storyline. So I don't know if they're rehashing that or they just thought we forgot <laughs> that this already <laughs> happened. But it was still cool to see uh-huh. uh, regardless. So, yeah, that was pretty much the shit show that was raw, man. <laughs> Just a fucking roller coaster of <sighs> tears and frustration. <laughs> Made me question why I'm a wrestling fan. You know, but it is what it is. Um, so, I like I said, the last two weeks I've kind of enjoyed SmackDown. Um, it feels like they're pushing wrestlers that haven't, you know, gotten much of a chance in the past. We're seeing, like, Grand Metal League get matches. Um, Shorty G. Um uh, Big E is getting a you know single run. I you know I the rumor is that uh, Edge and Daniel Bryan have been writing with them, so I feel like this is kind of like you know due to that influence. Mm-hmm. Um, I could be wrong though, um, and it just it feels like it's been a lot more wrestling orientated. So um, I've been enjoying it. You know, it's it's been a solid show. Uh, but anyway, so the one angle that did stand out obviously was, you know, Nikki Cross losing again to Bailey, getting frustrated. I mean, these seeds have been planted for a while after the match. She freaks out, pushes down Alexa bliss while Alexa bliss is in the ring. She storms off and then all of a sudden the lights go out and the fiend is sitting there and he puts the manable claw on her, um, screaming out brawn. Um, I don't, we'll see where this is going. You know, I definitely feels like now Alexa's going to be more part of that storyline. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that she ends up turning on Braun and, you know, joining the Fiend. That would be cool. Kind of <laughs> kind of like, it, you know, after I think maybe they saw the reaction of Alexa, you know, being part of that, you know, horrible fucking um, swamp fight. <laughs> yes. Like, that was the one thing that people were like, oh, that was kind of cool. Um, I feel like maybe they're like, well, maybe there's something there. So maybe they're going to tease that at least. Um, you know, maybe she'll be playing the damsel in distress, you know, all the way to SummerSlam and then she'll turn on Braun and cost him the title. Um, I could see that happening, but who the fuck knows? Or maybe they'll just forget about it next week (laughs) and we'll get SmackDown underground. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) But yep. Yay wrestling. Yay wrestling. (laughs) And yay the end of this fucking show. All right. Alright, but before we head out, make sure to head over to DramaCityProductions.com where you can hear us and plenty of other great podcasts. That's right, and if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, make sure you subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Yeah, it definitely helps an independent podcast like us keep on going. And you know what? If you like any of the stories that we talked about this episode, make sure you go ahead and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and see the 
full versions of these articles, plus a whole lot more. Yeah, you can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show. That's your nerd hub for all things pop culture. Hey, and if you're looking to further support the show, go ahead and buy some merch over at Tee Public. They have shirts, they have sweatshirts, I think they have mugs, bumper stickers, the works, man. Absolutely, and you can also head over to ProWrestlingTees.com and find our merch there as well. Yeah, while you're at it, go ahead and pick up your favorite wrestler's t-shirt. All right, next week we're going to be reviewing Netflix's Transformers War of Cybertron. That's right, Christian, and we'll also be reviewing the horror film Host. And uh, for the rest of the month, we are going to be doing a artist spotlight for none other than Quentin Tarantino. In the next coming weeks, we'll have countdowns for our favorite Tarantino films, characters, and moments. Absolutely. Well, my name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that's The Amazing Nerd Show. Doc, you better back up. We don't have enough road to get up to 88. Roads? Where we're going, we don't need roads.